Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail. Welcome to another episode of Life After MLM. Today, as always, we have a super special guest. We're talking to John Turbazan, who wasn't actually in an MLM himself, but grew up around MLMs consistently. So I'm going to hand it over to you. Uh, Please introduce yourself. And let's start by um, talking about what it was like growing up with parents who were Hunbots. Hi, my name's John. Um, I'm not really all that interesting. I, I go to work, I, I do my job, I come home, and then I, I try to do as little impact on society in a negative way as I can. Both of my parents um, either are or were in MLMs. My mother, by far, was much less bad in them. She was, you know, she was the Avon lady, pampered chef, uh, tastefully simple, all the all of those ones, but my dad got very badly drug into the whole Herbalife thing and the, you're going to make millions of dollars and, you know, if you lose your job over this, whatever, and all of that craziness that comes with the, the, the um, training in air quotes that they give you about oh, do this, do that. This is what you need to do. If people tell you you're wrong, you know, tell them they're wrong kind of a thing. Wow. Okay. So from how far back can you remember, like what age were you like looking around and seeing the MLM in your life and being like, what the heck is this? So the first time I remember seeing an Avon box was like five or six, but the way it was always presented is it never especially when I was that little, it never seemed like it was anything inherently malicious. It was just like, oh, my mom sells this stuff and her friends buy it and she makes a little extra money for it. And I get a thing to play with the cats with because the cats love the, uh, the, the box bands. That was like their favorite thing in the world. Or, you know, oh, uh, you get to stay with the grandparents tonight because mom's having a party for, and it would be Pampered Chef, Arbonne, Party Light, Avon and all of them and then she would have some that she wouldn't talk about which I assume were the more adult themed ones which I have no idea because I've never asked her about it because the less I have to hear about them the happier I am personally so from my mother's side things were never really that bad I mean I used the Avon products they're not bad they were never anything it was like oh my hair is falling out or anything like you know if it was Monet or something it was just like oh it's shampoo oh it's deodorant okay so I still have a pampered chef knife in my uh drawer that I use I have tastefully simple spices that I still use because I'm not gonna throw it out because they taste good just because they're from an MOM doesn't mean I'm not gonna use them um yeah and that's actually something that I like to tell people you know you spent good money on these products. It seems very silly to throw away perfectly fine items and then yeah. spend more money to replace them. So for those of you listening who feel guilty looking at that Cutco knife that you spent money on or that Tupperware water pitcher or whatever it is, don't feel guilty. It's okay. Don't support them further, but also don't throw away things that you spent good money on. <laughs> it's, it's really okay. Yeah, and that's the other one. I never... 
I would have never in a, a hundred years thought that Tupperware was an MLM because you see it in stores. It's like, oh, well, if this is sold in a store, then why is this, how can this be an MLM? And then you find out, no, no, it's definitely not just in stores. But, and then, I mean, even my, even my fiance, she has a couple pairs of um, Lula, Lula, I, I can never say it, LuLaRoe leggings. And it's like, I'm not going to make her get rid of them because I'm sure they're comfortable and they probably do what they're supposed to do, which is serve as leggings. I don't actively buy anything from MLMs for her to wear, but if someone wants to give us a pair of leggings, I'm not going to tell her don't take them because that's one less thing I have to buy. (laughs) Exactly. They make great pajama pants. Mm -hmm. Um, And as long as you don't have the moldy, stinky ones or the ones with the massive holes in the butt, she You're has probably the ones fine. with sushi on them. She's probably fine then. Yeah. I don't know if those ones had any problems or not. No, I don't think they had anything weird with them. They've just got sushi on them. Things are definitely a lot worse um, with my dad than with my mom. Like my mom's stuff never, like I said, it never impacted anything on my dad. You know, at first when he started it, he was so excited because he's got this opportunity that he can fix everything because at this point I want to say I was in ninth or 10th grade when he got really pulled into it it was like he was struggling financially my parents separated when I was seven so I had been living between my dad and my mother and my grandparents for six years at that point my dad's dad had passed away left the house which means he left the mortgage and everything and my dad just was not in the financial situation to be able to pay for everything. And especially he got caught up in that, um, the mortgage scams that were going around where like he was told his house was worth like $200,000 more than it was. And he got a second mortgage on it. And then they came back and said, no, it's actually only worth this much. We need that money back. And he didn't have it. So it was already just more money in the hole. And, you know, and, and, you know, I, I always hear people say that the MLMs, they prey on desperate people. And I can definitely see that just with my dad's side of things. Like he was in such a desperate situation for any sort of way out of the hole and any sort of shovel to help pull him up when all he got was a shovel to dig the hole even deeper and wider. Yeah, absolutely. It sounded like he was a dreamer mm-hmm. who was vulnerable. Yeah. And uh, the right weasel got in and, and told him the right words in the right order to make him say, this is the way, this is the mm-hmm. answer. Uh, you said you were like in high school when this happened. Yes. So yes. obviously a little older uh, and more aware of what's going on. So yes. what were your experiences of seeing your dad go through this? It was heartbreaking because it was almost like he had become a different person. Um, You know, at first it wasn't too bad, but within the first two months, like things had just steadily been becoming more and more distant because he was always on a training or this or that and the other. Like I remember on occasion I would wake up at like two at night because I wanted a glass of water or something or I was hungry. That's another story for later. And I'd come down the stairs and he'd still be on these training calls at 2 a.m. because his host was in California. You know, he'd still be going at 
2 a.m. And like he had to be up at five in the morning for work. And it's like, how are you balancing any sort of healthy lifestyle at that point? It's like, I, I can't really judge too much now because I'm one of the guys that gets the five, six hours of sleep a night, but I don't do it every single night. I don't consistently get two or three hours of sleep and I'm so drained when I wake up that it's like I didn't even go to sleep. And I saw that within two to three months with him that he was just already in a state of almost like being a zombie just instantly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a part of the bite model. That's right in there with the cold tactics, Mm -hmm. deprivation of sleep and controlling people's time how they're spending it. Yeah. Um, 100%, you know, you look at those bite model things and you're like controlling people's time, sleep deprivation. You're like, ah, MLMs don't do that. And then you hear exactly what you just said, being on a Zoom call at two o'clock in the morning because the person who's hosting it is ha- hosting it at nine o'clock on the other coast. Yeah. And you're up super, super, super late and you're getting three hours of sleep and that's sleep deprivation. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I know enough about sleep deprivation that all that does is make you think less straight and that's all they need to get even deeper in and really sink into you and say, yeah, you know, everything we're saying is right. And don't listen to those other people. Right. And any sort of pushback that the outside would give him like, Hey man, you're not getting enough sleep. Hey man, like, you know, shouldn't you be spending more time with your family or your children or whatever? Mm-hmm. He's saying, no, because the, the business, I, I got to put the effort in now because it's going to pay off later. And oh, anytime God, he asks, business. right? Anytime he oh. asks anyone inside the business, they're going to yeah. say the exact same thing. Well, man, you got to put the time in now. You got to put the time in now. Your kid will thank you in two years when you're giving him Disneyland passes and buying him the newest Nikes. He's not yeah. going to care. He's not going to remember. But obviously you do remember because here we are talking about it, right? Oh, oh yeah. It, it, it definitely had an impact on my life, but not a, uh, not an inherently positive one. So here's the thing that MLMs like to say, I, I was also told this, like, you know, that I was supposed to be going to these trainings because I was going to be help, helping other moms to help with their lives. Right. So I could take time away from my family and my children. And this is what I was told, you know, the owner of LuLaRoe said, say this to your daughter, that you're off helping other mommies. Um, (laughs) and so in that vein, you know, I don't know the other side of it because no one's ever said that to me, but here you are experiencing this. You're seeing your mom sending you off to grandma's house or to sleepovers because she's having these parties. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us about that feeling of, of sort of being, I don't, I don't know if I want to say passed off because of the MLM, but you know what I'm trying to say. So being sent over to my grandparents' house was never really a major um, issue. Um, when my parents were still together, they both worked very strange shifts. My dad would, um, between doing firefighting, paramedic, ambulance dispatch, all the different things that he had done in his career and my mother doing bank telling or anything else that she had been doing. They always had a lot of time where they weren't going to be with us. So my grandparents who, let's see, so that was 20 something years ago. So my grandfather and grandmother would have been early fifties. So they weren't quite at the point of retirement, but they were able to change their schedules to part-time to help take care of me and my brother. 
So being able to see grandma and grandpa was never like, oh, we're going to push you over here. It's, hey, you want to go spend a night at Papa's house? And it's like, yeah, because grandma's going to give me candy and sugar and let me play video games all night. It wasn't ever a, uh, it wasn't ever like I felt like I was being abandoned or anything like that. Well, that's good to hear. That makes me feel better about things (laughs) as well. (laughs) So you have more positive experiences being younger and and being sent to grandma's for these parties or for these trainings and things. Tell me how it felt being uh, a teenager and watching your father like spiral into Herbalife. So when it first started, I didn't really know that much about it. Cause like I said, I'd seen my mother do it here and there. And, you know, she always made 60 bucks, a hundred bucks a month. There was never anything like groundbreaking or life-changing amounts of money but it was like oh hey we can go see a movie this weekend because I had a good party you know she had never gotten too sucked into it where it affected her job and everything else with my dad it was it went almost from him always being available to talk to me if I needed something or help me with something or cook dinner when he got home this is where I learned how to cook was because he was never cooking anymore um, different things like that, uh, doing the laundry, everything that, you know, being a 14 year old, you want to start learning how to do, but you don't think should be pushed off on you at the drop of a hat. And I remember seeing all of the wild changes that happened. The, uh, the car license plate, he changed to H E R B L Y F. For Herbalife, he had stickers on the back of his car that said, lose weight now, ask me how. He always had bins of this god-awful stuff in his car to try and peddle to people, whether it was at church or at work or any of these places. And he just, not only would he never sell or any of that, but it was like, because he was spending so much on it, it had to start getting worked into our diets And I would go from having, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner to having protein shake in the morning, protein shake and bar at lunch, and protein shake and bar at dinner some weeks. And I was only really out of that because my grandfather started giving me $20 a week to buy lunches at school. So, you know, luckily that my mother's side of the family definitely helped curb some of the issues that would have risen up from the fact that I wasn't eating anything except protein shakes and energy bars. But, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd come down, you know, like I said, I'd come down at two in the, two in the morning and try and find food. And he's like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, I'm kind of fucking hungry. Cause you don't feed me anything. And you get just super like defensive about how, well, we both have to make sacrifices if we want this thing. And I'm like, I shouldn't have to do shit. If this is a legitimate thing for you to make money, I shouldn't be nearly starving on a weekly basis and going through such food swings where it was like Monday through Friday, I would have almost nothing. And then Friday evening through Sunday, when I was with my grandparents or my mother and stepfather, I was getting three meals a day and getting sick from eating so much. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did that have any like lasting effects with your um, relationship with food? Um, yes and no. Um, it's definitely 
been hard for me now. Um, I'm trying to curve my diet down and lose weight and all that, just trying to get healthy after the uh, pandemic. And it's a very um, insecure feeling for me when, even though I know I'm eating enough, that I feel my stomach wanting food because that brings back those memories of, well, shit, when did I eat something substantial last? Because it's like, you know, what I'm doing now is I'm kind of doing that, that five meal thing. So I'll have a, like a small thing of like vegetables or something, which will make me have the hunger feeling because my body's working, but there's not that much there. So it's like, all right, I want more. And that just kind of gets to me. And it's like, well, maybe I should eat more, even though I know this is me trying to fight that feeling. It's just, it lives in the back of my head that, no, you remember what happened last time with this, you're going to get sick again. And I never, I never developed any eating disorders or anything like that, luckily, from the constant eat, eat nothing, eat a lot, eat nothing, eat a lot, but definitely helped me, um, not helped me, um, gave me a lot of fears of food scarcity. And that's why I always try and keep tons of food in the house now, even though we're trying to uh, cut back on how much we eat. I never want to be in a situation where I open the fridge or I open the pantry and there's nothing there. Even if it's something as small as like an apple or a banana or like a protein bar, it's like, I would rather have something that's small to snack on than just be like, oh, well, there's no food. Wow. What a really interesting, like lasting effect. Yeah. I'm going through that. There, um, there's, there's been several that, um, that I'm sure we'll talk about throughout this, but that one, that's probably the least, um, I would say detrimental of the ones that I've experienced. Did you have any other lasting health effects from just consuming Herbalife all day? Um, I don't think I have lasting health effects. Um, if they are, I can't say they're only from eating Herbalife. I know that there's definitely some uh, issues that Herbalife presents when you eat it or consume it in any way. But um, I can't say that it would any um, health impacts I have now would be solely from the two or three years where I was eat, consuming a lot of Herbalife products. And what about in those two or three years? What uh... Were you having gut issues because you were just eating protein shakes and protein bars constantly? Um, things definitely um, became a bit more complicated in um, visits to my second office. <laughs> okay. Things definitely had right. a uh, <laughs> things definitely had a unique odor to them. I'll say <laughs> that's an interesting side effect to Herbalife. I've never heard about, but I mean, it makes sense. Well, when you're only eating protein and nothing else, you know. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That's a just, just wow. <laughs> it's like I have no idea what to even say. <laughs> now, this is the first time I've actually opened up to someone and really talked about it more than just being like, you know, telling someone like, you know, fuck Herbalife or fuck MLMs or something like that. Like, um, I've never sat down and had any sort of therapy or counseling over what I went over because partially I, I i i do blame my grandfather for it because you know he was always the oh you're a man you gotta hold up that that chin and be tough you know you can't have have emotions but you know talking about it in depth and actually being able to 
have someone that's been through it, um, there's a much more inviting feeling that I'm able to talk about and get all of this uh, weight that's been bearing on me for 15 years about it off. Yeah, there's a lot of validity that comes uh, with sharing your experiences in MLM. You know, they they do such a great job at compartmentalizing the way that we feel when we leave MLM, like, oh, it was just you, you're just a hater, you're just a loser, or whatever, um, which is clearly, if you've listened to any episodes of this podcast, is not the case at all. It's not a compartmentalized issue. It is happening to every single person that leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and you learn that and you go, oh, wow, I'm not crazy. That's a great feeling to feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I might be crazy, but it's not because of the, the the effects of an MLM. It's just other things that have caused that. Right. Just the chemical imbalances that I was born with and not yeah. like the whole MLM aspect of it. Right. No, I totally uh-huh. get you on that. <laughs> so um, what were like, okay, here we go. I lost my train of thought, but I just found it again. <laughs> I'm like ADHD. Woo-hoo. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I wanted to write down a list of talking points so I wouldn't just go off on different tangents, but I feel like after listening to some of the other episodes that just tangential conversation is the best way to uh, uh, do this whole thing. You know, I make notes and I write down questions and we usually get to all of them, but it's definitely not in the order that I wrote them in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I do, I do like the tangents. I think that a little bit of structure with the ability to kind of tangent out leads to really interesting conversations and topics and like sometimes some juicy tea that like I wouldn't have even known about and is definitely not on my list. And so I'm like, you know what? I invite that. It is a little uh, scattery. You know, I'm sorry. I have ADHD and we're, we're working toward that too. So we're all here to learn and grow and be better every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no judgment from me at all. <laughs> Okay, so the side tangent train of thought was you had mentioned earlier how being in Herbalife started to change your dad. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. So first, let's talk about the kind of person your dad was before Herbalife came into his life. So at least to me, now, I can't speak for anyone else, my mother or my former stepmother or anyone else that he would have had relationships, but he was always there when, you know, if he wasn't working, obviously he would always be there. If I needed help with something, if I just needed to talk about something, um, I had gone through boy scouting from grade one, all the way up to becoming an Eagle scout. And until he had joined in with herbal life, my progress through the scouting program was like, number one in his mind it was his like top pride that look at how good John's doing you know he's definitely on track to becoming an Eagle Scout and I'm so proud of him and I can't wait until that happens and um, once he had joined a lot of that um, parental and fatherly guidance that I had come to rely on from being in having my parents divorce when I was seven and my dad hadn't remarried for six, eight years, something like that. I can't even remember again. It's going back into archives of my brain that barely functions on a day to day basis. Um, so it was kind of like, it was me, my dad and my brother versus everything. 
And eventually my brother, who was four years older than me, eventually he went off and did his own thing, joined the military, moved, got his own family. I was still living at home at the time, you know, so when that happened, it just become me and dad. And then eventually dad remarried and all of that stuff. There were some definite things that within the first two months were just gone. The time that he had to just sit and talk with me if I was having any issues school-wise or just life-wise just was gone. The time for him to sit and help me with homework because I was a very bad student with English. That was never my subject and he would always try and help me with it just in any way that he could it was just like oh you know go to your tutors at school they're better they're they go to school to teach you that it's like well obviously they're not teaching me the right way and you knew how because when you helped me I got good grades in it but you know it was just it was stuff like that and it was this feeling almost of a band like I resented my father and I hated that I had to spend five days of the week with him when I because I was going to school in a school district that had I gone to live with my mother I would have no longer been able to go to and it was a very good public system in the area so my mother made the active choice to let my father have me and my brother um, as primary custody to uh, so that we could go to this school system still that was a, a big reason behind why she made that sacrifice which I regretfully didn't realize or learn about until I was older and um you know I I think that the the divorce which I know we're not here to talk about that but that definitely had some of the uh negative impact on it too because it was kind of like oh well mom just up and abandoned us and left us to stay with dad and now dad's doing all this stuff so what the hell do I do now yeah it seems like um you know MLMs like to brag about working from home to make your own hours, that all the little pockets of time during the day are where you can work your business. But what they regret to inform you is a lot of times those little pockets of time are where you're spending time with your kids Mm -hmm. or you're taking time for yourself or you're just enjoying existing and living and, you know, working on homework or watering the grass and when you take all those pockets of time where you feel like you're doing nothing, like you're saying, like you felt abandoned. Mm-hmm. That's wow. I'm so sorry. And I, I don't think it's something that parents, I mean, me being a parent myself, like I don't ever think of that sometimes. I'm sure my daughter feels that way sometimes when I'm in here doing interviews and she's <laughs> like, again, um, you know, and, and to me, I'm thinking, well, this is for the future. This is something that needs to be done. This is my purpose in life. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, I've caught myself doing that. And, and lately I have taken a step back a little bit too, to be like, you know what, today we're going to go to the beach, but today mm-hmm. we're going to do this because I remember being an MLM and being so, and I hate to say this, but here I am being real, like frustrated with my children for not understanding that I just had to get this done. And then Mm -hmm. when it was done, we could do whatever we wanted. And I'm sure they felt the same thing, like frustrated with me. Like, why does she have to get this done? Why can't she do it later? Why can't we be going and doing something fun right now? Mm -hmm. Um, MLMs are so toxic. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Yeah, they are. And, you know, I remember the the thing that kind of started tipping it off to me that Maybe something with this company wasn't as good as it should have been 
is I remember he was talking to me about it once because sometimes he wouldn't have a headset in with the training and I'd be able to sit and listen as, as much joy as that brought me sitting at the kitchen table, listening to these bullshit trainers and their life indoctrination. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, let's call it cult indoctrination because that's exactly what it was and all this stuff. And, you know, Oh, you know, selling your products is good, but you have to recruit people. That's how you really make the money. And I had heard that in one of these. And over the next like couple days, week or two, I started doing uh, some research about what I had been hearing and about Herbalife. And I went through and I made up this whole thing. And I'm like, dad, I think you need to, you need to stop what you're doing with this. Cause uh, they're going to, screw you over like here's all these different things that are saying like you know you're you're basically in a uh a pyramid scheme like you're you're being taken advantage of for your uplines um benefit i didn't know the the titles it was a recruiter and then he had to recruit people and all of that but it's like you know you're being taken advantage of for your uplines profit and he's like oh no it's just you know i gotta start and get things going. And then once I start recruiting people, I'll be able to uh, step back from having to do the act of selling. I'm like, okay, keep, keep telling yourself that, I guess. Wow. So you heard these MLM buzzwords and you were like, that sounds culty. I'm going to Google this. It it wasn't even that it sounded culty. It's just like, how many businesses out there perpetuate the idea of you as a ground floor person need to go out and actively recruit other people instead of trying to sell what you're being commissioned to sell. And that, that was the thing. It's like, cause I, I knew about sales jobs and I knew about recruiting jobs and I knew that those two things were not the same and that they did not um, mesh into a single career. Usually you didn't sell people things and recruit people at the same time. You recruited people to sell things for your boss who hired you to only recruit these people not to also sell his product so it was kind of like you know you're 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 doing the whole oh this step is uh we're combining it into one thing it's like well that's how you you form an abusive work relationship is that you get everything offloaded onto you and your upper management has no responsibilities then Right. And, and it's like know. these people, <clears throat> excuse me. And it's like these people are recruiting you to sell the thing they're also selling. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wait, what? And and I think another one of the ones that kind of really like was an eye opener was um, and, and this was later on down the road. I don't even remember his name, but the idiot Herbalife CEO who's like. Well, Disney's a pyramid because Bob Iger's the CEO and we've got people under him and then people under us. So corporate America is like a pyramid scheme. And it's like, what, what, did I just have a stroke listening to this? Did, 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 did this guy just say that a, 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 a well-known corporation and this scammy ass pyramid MLM bullshit are the same model? Yeah, that would be Michael Johnson. That was his name. I, I try to not remember their names because I have too many things to keep in my head and the names of people that are in MLMs are not one of them. 
Yeah, no, that's one of my superpowers is like remembering and retaining completely useless information. (laughs) So you're starting to realize that your father might be in a pyramid scheme Mm -hmm. and you're reaching out to him and saying, dad, you might be in a pyramid scheme. How old are you at this point? I couldn't have been 15 or 16. I think I still might have been 14. And I was like, dad, this is kind of fucked up. You know, this whole thing is you know, a little weird and, you know, yeah, definitely you didn't have the amount of information about it now, but just the idea was like, well, you're recruiting for the person that recruited for you, but you're also buying product from the person who recruited you to sell to other people, to recruit them to work for you and also work for the person above you. Something seems like there's a wheel missing in this machine that should be making it run in a correct way. And it definitely is not doing what it's supposed to. Right. You're like, it says on paper that A equals B, but I just did the math and it's like, not, that's not what this is. Like it says Mm -hmm. it's this, but it's not this. Yeah. And, and your dad just regurgitates the upline like platitude in this shit yeah. it's like eh, the, i'm just building my business and this I'm is how building it's my done business. you know i'm you're just a kid the, you don't know I'm what gonna you're lose doing money the first year or two because i've got to get an established customer base and recruitment base and all that and it's like oh yeah there's not many companies i know of even like a fresh startup that their goal is to lose money for two years before they start making money to me that sounds like a very bad business model but what do I know? I'm just 15, right? You know, I've heard that too. Like, and it's always from MLM people that are like, well, you know, people are losing money. Well, it's like, well, you know, it takes money to create a business. And the first couple of years are usually a loss in small business. So that's normal. And I was like, I'm not sure your math is correct. You know, you may not make a lot or you may break even, but significant loss is not a key to success in any way if a small business or you know a cult called an MLM that's also a pyramid scheme and also a Ponzi scheme and everything else that we like to call them because they're all the same damn thing yeah no and, I, and he would just the, the same thing and, you know I would try and I would I would present this stuff to him and be like yeah this that and the other and then he'd throw some garbage at me and I would look at the garbage that he said and like no that's like not even remotely accurate to anything. And, you know, after like the third or fourth time, I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. If you're not going to listen to me, I'm not going to waste any more of my time trying to convince you out of this. And it felt bad because I, I wanted to try and help him realize that, you know, he needed to stop doing this, but no matter how much I did, he just, didn't listen and I think that was where a lot of the uh the trust issues and stuff started because it's like if you don't trust me then what's the point anymore because isn't that part of the whole deal and like that so that that definitely that's part of one of the things that's definitely um stuck with me now is the uh the trust issues from all that and you know I, I I've become very introverted in my adult life and if someone overly friendly approaches me, the, the first thing that appro- is in my mind is, 
what garbage are you trying to sell me? It's not, oh, hi, how are you? You know, I'm X, Y, and Z. I'm friends with whoever. And it's like, okay, what are you trying to sell me? It's not respond to them in a polite way or introduce myself or anything like that. Just because I, of how he reacted when I was trying to do all this stuff. And it's like, okay, so anytime anyone's got this facade of being a nice person, that's exactly what it is. It's a facade. It's not them actually being a nice person. Yeah. It's unfortunate that MLM is what, you know, drove a stake between you and your dad's relationship as a child, because Mm -hmm. it's, it's really unfortunate, you know? Um, So you said that you try to tell him it's a pyramid scheme. He doesn't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. It puts a strain on your relationship. You don't really have a lot of trust in him anymore, Mm -hmm. which is not great (laughs) for a parent, because I mean, I feel as a parent that I need to be the person that my daughter can come to with anything, no matter Mm -hmm. what. And so removing that trust was probably really difficult for you. The thing that was, the thing that was more difficult even than losing the trust was, um, like I said, he had been for eight years, he had been a big part of my progress through Cub Scouting into Boy Scouting. And then suddenly him not, he started not going on the weekend campouts. He started, you know, I, hey, Dan, I need help with this merit badge. Oh, well, contact one of the other scouters. They can help you with it. It was just like, he would just start anything I needed, whether it was academic, it was with my Boy Scouting stuff, anything like that. He would just be like, oh, go have someone else do it. Or he would stop coming to the meetings and I'd have to have one of the other scout parents pick me up to drop me off at the weekly meetings because he was busy with one of his fucking trainings and it definitely um it actually almost led to me not getting my eagle scout completed because it was like well this was something we were doing together and you don't even seem to care anymore so why am I still doing it Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors the weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claim standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect, effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. 
Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet, and they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. I, I did push through and did eventually finish and got it. I ended up turning in the paperwork on my 18th birthday, which was the cutoff date, but I got everything filed and got it done. Congratulations. Uh, it, it, it definitely, um, it was one of those things where it's like, well, if this was something that he and I had done together since I was six and suddenly he has no interest in it and it, it hit my interest in wanting to do it significantly to the point where almost the entire span that he was in I went from being very, very active to like maybe doing merit badges at summer camp and not doing anything else during the rest of the year, just because it's like, well, I don't have that support network at home that I needed to keep encouraging me to keep going and getting my badges and getting the stuff done that I needed to get done to get my ranks and everything like that. Wow. At what point, if ever, did your dad realize that this was a bad idea? Um, I think it took three or four years. And it was after he had taken out a personal loan of like $15,000. After he had lost his job as an ambulance dispatcher. Um, and after the house got foreclosed on. So, wow. Okay. Let's unpack this a little bit. So, sure. Uh, how how did it take all three of those things happening? Why wasn't one enough? Because he was convinced by his Herbalife instructor, demon woman, that, um, oh, if you take out a small loan or you put this on your credit card, you know, to buy some stock now, you know, you'll be able to pay it off later when you start selling it to people and you start uh, reinvesting it into your company. You can take a little bit of it and start paying off the loan. And then um, just because of how stressed he was from doing all the Herbalife stuff, it led to him, I, I want to say drinking more. I don't know because if he, I didn't see it increase, but I imagine he probably did it away from me because he didn't want me to see it. But that was what ended up losing him the job with the ambulance company is because he came to work drunk once and they fired him because of it. And then the house got foreclosed on because, um, you know, when you're not paying your mortgage, eventually the bank's like, all right, get the fuck out. This is ours now. And that was a huge blow to me because 
that was the house I spent my entire childhood in. I, from the time I was a little baby all the way until I was 18, I lived in that house. And, you know, I also lived with my mother and my grandparents on the side, but when my dad told me that he was going to lose the house, I felt like everything that I knew, every part of any sort of structure in my life had just been picked up, dumped into a barrel and lit on fire because it was just like, oh, everything that you know is gone. And, you know, thank God he was able to, I don't know how, convince the bank to let me finish school to at least finish my senior year up. But it was like the day I, my last day of classes, I had to be out of the house. Oh my God. Wow. What uh, a horribly tragic domino effect. Yeah. Wow. And I remember when he had lost his job, he was like, oh, well, you know, it's not that big of a thing because now I can focus full time on the MLM. I can focus full time on Herbalife now. I think that's what I needed to do. And I'm like, you needed to be out of this two and a half years ago so you could have fixed these issues that you have now, not push yourself deeper into this problem. Wow. It's just like the cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. of like, just like the MLM is still right. Like this is a positive. Me losing my job is a good thing, John. Look, yeah. now I can do this full time. That was the reason it wasn't working for the last X amount of years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then of course, you know, like him being stressed about probably not making any money led to more drinking, which led to him losing his job, which led Mm -hmm. to like even less money coming in. Oh my God. Wow. So he loses the house. He loses Mm -hmm. his job. He has to take out this loan. Was that the breaking point for him? I honestly, I, I don't even know because after um, about six months before, three or four months before I had graduated, um, he had started seeing someone new because he and my stepmother had separated at this point. Not going to get in on that one. Um, but he had started seeing someone new and he was spending even less time at home between having to get all his shit out and somewhere else and then also working this business. I remember it actually came to a head and I spoke emotionally but I think it was a buildup of multiple years of the MLM and the abandonment feeling and then all of this stuff now with him seeing this new person and living with her and I remember he was overdoing something and he was done for the night and I was up in my room um doing homework or something and he came up and said Hey John, I'm gonna head over to Kathy's now so that uh, I can get to bed for the night and do some stuff. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Go be with the family you really care about. And I know I shouldn't have said it, but I also didn't care anymore. It felt like he had fully disconnected from me even being his kid. It was like I was just in his house until I graduated high school and then I was gone. And it's it's definitely damaged our relationship um, pretty severely. I mean, he moved about an hour and a half away and I would go see him maybe three or four times a year after that, going from seeing him every day to seeing him once a quarter. And then, then he moved to Florida 
and I haven't seen him since he moved. Um, I don't talk to him. I barely communicate with him. I'm trying now actively to mend the rift because um, I want him to be involved in my wedding in the future, but he's never even met my fiance and we've been dating for seven years now. And it's like, he's never even met her. And, you know, I, I want him to be involved in this, but at the same time, the amount of emotional damage that was done to me by all of this stuff um, makes it so hard for me to even want to try and reconnect with him because he's so, it was so destructive at 18 that it was like, well, I don't trust anyone. Um, I shouldn't have emotions for anything. You know, obviously if I fail, I'm useless. All of these very, very negative things stuck with me. And the, if I fail one, especially, um, that one has haunted me since I've been about 16. And I still have issues with that to this day, even though I know now it's okay to fail there's still this thing in the back of my head that says if you don't do this right and you mess up it's all only your fault and nothing else it's not just something just weren't meant to be it's actively your fault that this didn't work yeah i mean as someone who's going through my own mental health journey i am such a huge fan and um advocate of therapy Mm -hmm. and working through these issues. Um, I hope that you and your dad are able to mend what is left of your relationship. Um, it's so, it's hard. It's hard to let go. <laughs> it's really, yeah. really hard to let go. Really, really hard to let go. Um, does your dad seem uh, open to having a relationship with you? Do you guys talk even though you haven't we seen him? We, we, we talk only through like texting and Facebook messenger and he seems like he wants to, it's, it's my, it's my fault that it doesn't happen because I don't know if I'm ready to rekindle it yet because of all of the emotional and mental fatigue that I went through with the MLM and everything tied to it. It's just like, I don't know if I want to talk to you yet kind of a thing. Right. And, Has and, he? Uh, go ahead. Sorry. And, and, and it's just like, you know, the whole thing could have been so easily prevented if he hadn't. I, I won't even call it weakness. I would more call it desperation because it wasn't that he had a moment of weakness that he got pulled into an MLM. He was so desperate to try and make things better for me and for my stepmother that he got roped into a situation that had no chance of him ever succeeding yeah it seems his intentions were pure mm -hmm. but uh the execution of it he got a little devastating caught. yeah unfortunately does he or has he ever um admitted no. to being stuck in a pyramid scheme no. or no nothing. Not, not to me at least he's never said to me you know you were right about the whole thing about herbal life uh, being bad and being an MLM and all that. He never, at least he never said it to me. If he's, if he's admitted it, I don't know. I think that he thinks he just got caught up in a bad business deal. I think that MLMs work really hard 
to make people feel that way when they leave, as opposed to, wow, did I just leave a cult? It's mm-hmm. more like, oh, I was the dumb dumb that got that loan. That's on me. Uh, and not the people above you that were like, you should probably get a loan because a loan would be a really good idea. You know what you should do? You should get a loan. Like nobody yeah. ever points the fingers, you know, at those people when you're leaving. Nobody, nobody goes, wow, I was manipulated. I was involved mm-hmm. in a scam with people literally were deceiving me and lying to me constantly. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the thing I, I constantly remember hearing, even when, when he would start having the moments of doubt, like, you know, I don't think this is working for me anymore. It was, oh, come on, Bob, don't, don't say that. You just got to try a little harder, get a couple under, get a couple people under you and you'll really start to see things turn around, you know? you just got to keep trying, you know, don't give up yet kind of stuff. And uh, he never got anybody under him in four years, not a single person, thankfully, was dumb enough to get roped in with him. Wow. So like, even you saying, dad, I think you're in a pyramid scheme. This is a really bad deal. And even him letting your seeds of doubt plant inside his brain and grow a little bit, Mm-hmm. He started going, maybe this isn't working out for me. And he had those thoughts. And instead of coming to you or someone outside and, and getting even more information, he went right back to the upline and the upline's like, you don't know what you're talking about, buddy. Why don't you yeah. buy another protein pack? Yeah. Oh, and that stuff was so gross. I, yeah. I, How does I, herbal I life never, taste? Awful. <laughs> um, so the protein bars... Um, have you ever chewed on cardboard? Because I think cardboard <laughs> I mean, might actually have tasted better than the protein bars. And the protein powder, um, I got to say, it was some of the most disgusting protein powder I've ever had in my life. And I actively still drink uh, protein shakes, both as like for post-workout and as meal replacement in the morning for um, trying to help myself lose some weight. And there's some really good, tasty protein powders on the market. They're just not made by Herbalife. Herbalife makes stuff called cookies and cream that tastes like six-week-old rice. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's bland. It's almost sour tasting is how I can remember it. It was like, and, and it got to a point, too, where it was like, you know, I, I wasn't even making him with milk anymore because he couldn't even afford to buy milk for me to make protein shakes with. So I had to make them with soy milk that he made himself, which was even more disgusting. And it got to the point where um, I would take it with me to like leave the house and I would just pour it on the front yard as I was leaving because it was just like, I'm not. And I would just um, grab something at school when I got, because my school, very luckily they did a breakfast type sandwich thing in the morning. And then we had school lunches and due to my dad's finances being on fire and 10 feet below and everything like that, I was able to qualify for the reduced lunch plans. So that money that my grandfather would give me every week was able to buy me breakfast and lunch every day. So once that started happening, I was able to start eating normally again and just having to choke on these shakes at dinner time. And even then I sometimes I wouldn't and I would just stash like hard salami or stuff in my car in the winter time and just make a sandwich when I got home from school. Wow. And then, yeah. Wow. Like I hear 
you know, about food poverty with children at school and reduced lunch and free lunch. And that some kids, because they do have so much food poverty in their life, that some of the only food they get is at Mm -hmm. school, which is a huge issue when summer break, which is about to happen. Or by the time this is up, we're already in the middle of it. Um, So wow, like to hear it from your perspective. Mm-hmm. And be like, look, dude, I was a normal kid and my dad got roped into this thing. And then all of a sudden, the only real food I'm actually getting in my life is the reduced lunch at school. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I'm you know, so I, I, I was I was lucky because I never had to deal with it at the, the summer break because I would usually spend most of that with my mother and stepdad because that was part of the deal was that well, since I'm spending the school year with dad, I should at least spend summer with mom. And thank God that was worked in because I actually got to eat normal food for three months out of the year. (laughs) Yeah. How much weight did you gain in those three months? (laughs) I would probably put on 20 pounds over a summer. And, you know, it's not because I would just eat and eat and eat. You know, I was actively working. Like I worked a weekend job when I was in school that I then went to almost full time in the summertime and it was like warehouse work. So it's not like I wasn't being physical and lifting boxes and sweeping and you know, all the different physical labors that come with working in a warehouse. It's just, I would just eat and eat. And I was probably during summer, especially because I was with my grandparents because my mother and uh, stepdad would still have to work. So I'd spend a lot of time with my um, grandparents And it'd be like, oh, are you hungry, John? Oh, here, have 2,000 calories of bacon. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, you hungry? Here's six Oreos and a glass of milk. Oh, okay. Oh, you you hungry? Oh, here's uh, this, that, and the other. And it's like, just keep shoveling it in because I don't know when this is going to be able to happen again. Right. You're like, this is real food and not just food-like product. (laughs) Things that call themselves meal replacement. That's the other thing that word to me, like any more meal replacement shakes or meal replacement bars, like it, 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 it has left such a negative feeling in my head that even though I know it's possible if you do a good balance of like a protein powder and you're putting milk in with it and you're having a bar, like a granola bar in the morning, that that can be like a meal, a replaced meal instead of having eggs and bacon and all the heartier stuff and heavier fat stuff that you would have with a breakfast it's like just hearing meal replacement puts such a like nervous twitch into me that I have to lie to myself and tell me tell them that it's a weight loss breakfast because the word meal replacement is like no fuck fuck that I don't want to hear those words yeah. I don't like that either. I mean, I love food. I always joke that I didn't get these curves from eating carrot sticks. And it's like, I absolutely love food. It's it brings me so much joy, so much mm-hmm. joy. Um, I, I could never do meal replacement, anything, you know, if I have a little snack or if I'm not hungry for a whole meal, I do like these little mini charcuterie boards for myself with like couple of pieces of beef jerky and some dried fruit, maybe oh, some, too like, fancy. some crackers. And I'm like, I'm just going to eat this as my meal. <laughs> yeah. Like just appetizers. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I just, I don't understand. I mean, I know some people have to do it, but I could never fast. The only time mm-hmm. I'm fasting is when I'm sleeping. That is it. Or, or when my doctor tells me I have to. Or when the doctor's like, yeah. you have to not eat for 24 hours and then drink this right before you come in. <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, do I have to? 
like, oh, cool. Thanks, Doc. Great. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, is there anything else that you wanted to add? I, I think this this episode is so great to see it from your perspective. I just I've been enjoying just listening to your experience so much. I mean, if you have questions for me, I can answer things to the best of your ability. Uh, if you want to keep going for a while longer. I mean, I kind of like, I, I don't necessarily have any like very specific questions other than like things that I already asked you. I know we didn't really talk too much about your mom, but I mean, the story is mostly like with your dad and the whole like cult I mean, aspect of it, you know? Yeah. Like, like, like I said, my mother definitely, she still does too. And like, she still sells Avon and she still does the pamper chef parties and stuff like that. But again, she also held down a full-time job the entire time she was doing it. It never impacted her life into such an extent that she was like, oh, I should quit my job and sell Avon all the time. It's like, well, if five people want to buy some Avon shit off me, I'll buy a box of Avon shit and keep the $10 worth of free stuff that I get for myself. You know, it was never like buying thousands of dollars of Avon or Pampered Chef or any of that and then putting it in the garage or as my dad would do, put it in plastic totes and keep it in a side room. And I remember um, going back to the, the not eating thing, this actually reminded me of something I wanted to talk about with that, is I would get to the point where I would like beg him. I'm like, dad, can I have another bar or you know, even another shake? I'll choke down another shake. I just need something. And he's like, well, they say one of the biggest things is you can't eat your own product. And I'm like, it's not my product that I'm eating. That is my only food. <laughs> and uh, that's insane. And I, I would insane. and I would remember him everywhere he went, he would have a tote of it in the back of his car. You know, we'd go to Boy Scout meetings, he would have it in his car. We'd go to church on Sunday, he'd have it in his car. He'd go to work, he'd have it in his car. He'd go to family gatherings. He'd have it in his car, trying to sell to everybody. And it's like, leave these people alone. <laughs> I understand that like the, the brainwashing of it all is you got to sell this to everyone you know, or you're never going to do well. But I can't think of more than three people that actively bought in the four years that he was doing it. Just, I, I wonder that mindset because... I think a lot of people start to realize that they're not selling it and not being successful. And they're just like, this isn't for me. That's how it was for me mm-hmm. in the MLMs that I was in. Either I noticed something off or I wasn't making money that equaled the amount of work I was putting in. But yeah, you I, hear I, these I, stories so much where people are like, and I just kept going. I just kept plugging money in like you're yeah. saying. And, and it's I remember like, I'd watched that, uh, the vice documentary you had done in, um, just to get, learn a little bit about you. Cause all I knew you from was from the podcast. I'm like, well, maybe I should learn a little bit about Roberta before I get on this whole thing with her. And, you know, I remember you saying like at the start of it, you were doing great with LuLaRoe and then they got fucked over by the FTC and they're like, yeah, we can't give you all this money anymore. So uh, get bent, I guess. Yeah. LuLaRoe is a, a weird adventure that was one that um <laughs> I, I I'm I, I will say I'm very fortunate in a way that um because I was so negatively impacted um that 
I have never even in the slightest been tempted by any of these. Even, you know, last year, uh, mid pandemic, I lost my job. Uh, I got furloughed and then my position got terminated and I was on unemployment for eight months last year. And it's like, never once was I like, maybe I should try and sell some of these products to make some extra money. But um, that, um, the, the, the being laid off, um, hurt because of the failure thing that I had mentioned earlier about how I, I'm afraid to fail. And it felt like it was my fault that I was terminated, even though I knew it wasn't, but it was like, well, I saw what happened when my dad didn't try hard enough. Was I not trying hard enough at work because, you know, I wasn't, um, instead of testing 60 products a day, I was only getting 55 done a day, you know, was that, enough for them to say, oh, well, maybe we don't need a testing lab anymore. Maybe we should only get our testing done over in China. And I knew that that was not why. I knew it was because our company had lost 80% of its revenue in a two-month period because when things aren't being built and people aren't leaving their house, people don't need light bulbs anymore. So it, 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 it was an impact due to the pandemic but it felt like it was my fault. And that's something that, um, like I said, I still have that um, deep in me even now. And, you know, like I said, I've been dating my now fiance for seven years and it took me seven, uh, six years to propose because I'm like, I had such trust issues from all of the MLM stuff that I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. And, you know, do I want to spend all the money on a marriage and then, you know, have things go south and have every, and lose everything? No, maybe we'll just stay unmarried so that if things, uh, if we have to break things off, there's no, uh, there's no lost money along the way. You know, there's no sunk cost. And um, a lot of that stuff um, has definitely impacted me negatively but I'm actively learning how to tell myself to stop being an idiot and stop feeling that way because just because something happened doesn't mean it's your fault and just because um something happened in a way that it wasn't supposed to didn't mean I failed at what I was doing because I mean I, I that always brings me back to uh like a Thomas Edison quote is one of the things that I always remember when they're like, well, how did you keep going when you failed to make a light bulb 22,000 or 2,200 times? He's like, oh, I didn't fail. I just learned how not to do it. And Absolutely. You know, not, not, not to get all historical quote wise, but that's something that I have to like remind myself is that just because I failed once doesn't mean that, you know, it's all completely my fault and that everything that's wrong in my life is only because of things that I've actively done. Yeah, it's, um, personal growth is hard, but it sounds like you're, you're doing a pretty good job at, at identifying things in your life and where they came from and how to move forward. So I had one other question. Sure. Uh, and this is, uh, just your experience between the juxtaposition of your father being super duper in and your mom being like a hobbyist with MLM. Mm -hmm. So can you explain a little bit of just the differences between the two extremes? Yeah. Like with my mom, you know, it's like I said, you know, 
I'd come over and she'd be like, oh, John, look, I got you a new shampoo from Avon. Or, you know, I'd come over and she'd be playing with the cats because the cats would be in her Avon boxes. And, you know, cats, if it's a box, they want in it. Or, you know, oh, here, you know, go play with the cats with the, uh, the, the box banding, things like that. It was never anything. It was positive experiences, honestly, with my mother because it was always you know, something fun came out of it or something. It was like, oh, here, you know, here's a new shampoo because I noticed you were running out. So instead of you having to buy any, I just got you some with my free Avon money. Or, you know, here's some, uh, so we got some new stuff from uh, Tastefully Simple. So let's uh, try and cook something with it or something like that. It was never a negative, And I dare say there were even positive experiences on my mother's side because she was so barely active with it right I mean, it re- seems like she. I, I remember the, the the silly like the arbon baskets and just how pointless to me as a male arbon baskets seem it's like why do i care about seven different baskets and oh look they're cute and tiny and we can use them as decoration why but you know she never got into any of the super crazy ones she always did the the ones that was like, oh, let's have a party. Let's light some candles and drink some wine or let's have, you know, some food made up and taste the different food stuff that you can make with Tastefully Simple. Yeah, it seems like she had a much better grasp uh, and treated it as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And it's just a fun thing to do with her friends. Yeah. Uh, it was versus, very much... versus, you know, this life-changing opportunity that was going to make you millionaires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it very much was that I honestly, I think that she did it and still does it just to uh, have a reason to have fun with her friends. And I don't begrudge her for still selling Amazon and all that stuff, because ultimately, I, I, I've been, I, I'm tired and exhausted of trying to convince people to not be in MLMs. So I don't even want to waste the effort trying to convince her about it. And also, she's not super negatively impacted. Yeah. She's got some of the stuff. She's got the knives or the spices and the shampoos and stuff, but the shampoos and deodorants are great when you have five grandkids and you got to help them and you got to have stuff in your house for them because and when you buy it off Avon, it's like $2 for a bottle of shampoo because you're a distributor for them. Oh so my gosh. Like, yeah. My former in-laws, my former mother-in-law actually, uh, sold Avon when I first mm-hmm. started dating my ex-husband and yes everybody's Christmas stocking was like filled with the little roll-on deodorants that were like Santa's and snowmen and all of these little oh, Avon God, trinkety the little, things the, the, the little uh cute little tchotchkes and four dollar so jewelry the four dollar yes. jewelries yeah and it was like yeah with my mother it was never never too terrible but with my dad, it started bad and just got worse and worse and worse. And just seeing this man that I knew so well almost become someone completely different and someone so uncaring. It was like, what happened to my father? And like I said, it, 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 it did so much damage to our relationship that I'm still struggling finding a way to want to reconcile with what he did. And 
I, I, I think some of it could be held on to bitterness tied with the abandonment. Cause once um, all of that happened and I had to move, thankfully I was able to move in with my mother and uh, live with her for a few years. Then I moved in with my grandparents, lived with them for a few years, helped them around their house and then actually moved back into my mother's house. And that's the house I own now. I ended up buying it off of her when she had to move for her job. But um, she moved for her job and it was something that I knew about ahead of time. And it was like, you know, yeah, it's sad, but we can, but we still keep in touch. Probably every other week I call her or she comes up, you know, four or five times a year. I go down every so often to see her, things like that. Whereas my dad, I was over, I think, because I was getting to the point where I was starting to reconcile with them. I was over either for Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter, something like that. And he just goes, oh, by the way, John, we're moving to Florida next month. And I'm like, you could have told me, you know, any number of months ago when you found out. And I think that that took any part of the reconciliation that we had begun building and just threw it right out the window. And I just haven't had any desire to want to reconnect with him since then. It's funny listening to you describe your parents because the way that your mom is and the way that she deals with things, the way that your father is, the way that he deals with things based on what you've told me, I'm like, yeah, no wonder they didn't last very long. (laughs) They were just, you know, my mother is a very type A and my father is very not type A. And um, it just, yeah, it's no wonder that it's a wonder that they lasted 10 years, honestly. (laughs) Like opposites attract, but they don't, uh, not always great together. Sometimes very volatile. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you ever feel resentment toward your dad looking at the way that your mom handled her MLM business and the way that she handled her stuff and looking at your dad and being like, why can't you handle your Herbalife the way that mom handles her Avon? Because of the way that mom had handled her Avon stuff. It never even occurred to me that Avon was an MLM because the only, I had had such a negative with how Herbalife was. And that was who I did a lot of my reading was into Herbalife. And honestly, I didn't know until I started listening to your stuff and doing some more research into it as I want to try and become more into this whole, you know, maybe we should try and get rid of these, this industry from existence that I even found out that Pampered Chef was an MLM. I didn't know that Pampered Chef was an MLM. I thought they just sold really good kitchen knives or that Tastefully Simple was an MLM. I just thought that they sold really good cheese ball mix and stuff like that. It's like, because it never had an incredibly negative impact. It was never like, oh, well, this is an MLM. It was like, well, this is just some sort of company that my mom buys stuff off of. And then sells it to her friends. Wow. What wildly different experiences that you didn't even compare the two at all. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so incredible. If you would have told me at the same time that I was actively hunting down information to prove to my father what um, he was going through was an MLM and a cult and all that. And he would have told me, oh, well, the stuff that your mom does is the same. I'd have been like, no, it's not. She's just having parties on the weekends every once in a while and having a a get together with her friends. 
just because you know, it was such a dichotomy of this man's life is being financially destroyed to the point of bankruptcy and chapter 11 and losing everything that his father built up buying his father owned the house before he did whereas my mother's like oh we're gonna go have some tasty food and drink some wine on a on a saturday why don't you go hang out with grandma and grandpa for the night you know it was it was such a drastic difference that if you'd have told me oh yeah i know pampered chef was an mlm too it's like or the other one party light that party light is an mlm it's like no hell that they're just selling candles to people you know that's not anything too malicious and my mom never talks about recruiting anyone or getting people under her to sell stuff for her so she doesn't have to sell it because i think she honestly enjoyed the aspect of having these little get-togethers and having the friend parties and the friend get-togethers and everything whereas my dad went so hard into it that he alienated he actively alienated people from himself by trying to sell it or recruit people or things like that it's just it's so interesting because it really is like the far extremes like Mm -hmm. it really is and and I don't think I think probably most people's experience is somewhere in the middle, but it's so interesting for me to be able to talk to you growing up with those extremes that you're saying Mm -hmm. you didn't even notice that they were the same sort of business models. You saw the horrible side effects of your father literally losing everything to MLM and your mother being like, yeah, it's just like this fun thing we do on the weekends when I don't have kids and like my girlfriends come over and we have wine and light candles. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like, oh, okay, wow. I mean, that sounds cool, you know, I wish they had something for guys, because then my stepdad could be involved, and he could have his guy friends over, and then he could be doing the same stuff. I would have never, in a, a thousand years, until I started reading about it myself, realized that Avon is an MLM, that Pampered Chef is an MLM, but it's just... I mean, to be fair, Avon did not actually become an MLM until 2005, oddly enough. So maybe you didn't get some of those Avon vibes with your mom early on because of that. They didn't really go into that whole like recruiting model until 2005. But Party Light, Pampered Chef, and uh, Tastefully Simple, all MLMs since inception. So yeah, I mean, like I said, even even so, I, I remember my mother selling it from the time I was seven, and she still is now with Avon. It's just she has no she had no intent of ever like recruiting anyone to do it. So I think that was a big part of it was that, you know, she just kept doing it the same way. Even when they did have that switch over from being an MLM to being, or from not being an MLM to being an MLM. Yeah. It's so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing both of those perspectives. I, I it was just, it's, it was a really incredible conversation that I think you and I had. And I loved the tangents. We we did yeah. some really good tangents too. So no no issue with me on those tangents. Yeah. Tangents are good sometimes. All right. So um, at the very end, I like to do these questions. Yeah. You obviously were not an MLM, but you can answer them because you were sort of in an MLM without being in an MLM. By proxy. <laughs> exactly. By proxy. Okay. So rapid fire questions that aren't always very rapid. One word that encompasses how you feel about multi-level marketing. Fuck them. (laughs) 
that's a that's a first I like that <laughs> a warning am I wrong <laughs> you're not you're not wrong at all you're not wrong at all one warning uh use as many words as you'd like for this warning to someone that wants to join an MLM unless you're willing to sacrifice everything from your family to your house to your job to any sort of financial stability to try and make this gamble don't waste your time getting into one of these pro- into one of these companies because it's not worth the anguish on you on your family or the financial devastation that it'll put you in jesus that's true words man um i think i know the answer to this but what is the worst mlm in your opinion it is not herbal life no it is that goddamn network america and their stupid dimmerite bullshit oh market america yeah yes oh my god he's the worst isn't he it's just, I, I, I remember I've seen some, because that was one of the ones I, and I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, this man is literally a cult leader. Holy shit. It's like, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. It, it, it's like, yeah, Herbalife was bad. And I have very negative in, uh, if emotions about Herbalife, but sitting, watching this man on say, yelling at a tombstone of a guy who never joined his stupid pyramid or running in his stupid giant hamster wheel or as I said Absolutely. running around on stage you know we are in a dimmer right we are in a dimmer this shit like it's like this man is leading a cult he's not leading a company and he looks just like Jim Jones which is he so does. creepy he, he just needs about 20 pounds in a suit jacket man yeah so if you guys are listening to what we're talking about and you're like what the huh um, this is all in the John Oliver last week tonight uh, episode on pyramid schemes. And I will definitely link that in the show notes. You should definitely take 30 minutes of your day today and watch that as soon that, as this um, podcast is that, over. That um, last week tonight was actually one of the things that started me down this um, path of being as anti MLM as I am now, where it was just before it was like, no, I don't trust these companies. They're obviously a scam. But seeing the data laid out before me and how many people have their lives ruined by these companies was when I kind of switched to, we need to do something to stop these companies from existing. Absolutely. And public outrage and education is going to be the fastest way we Mm -hmm. do that. (laughs) Um, So what was the hardest lesson that you learned watching your parents in multi-level marketing? it's okay to fail as long as you learn from it and you move on. It's a good lesson. I completely agree. Failure is part of life and you, you got to do it. It builds character. I mean, to sound like a boomer, it does though, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and then a positive takeaway from your time witnessing your family in MLM. A positive takeaway. Well, not going to be anything on my dad's side. That's for damn sure. But um, I guess if you're not going to invest your entire life into doing it, you know, and you're just going to do it like how my mother does as a side hobby almost, um, it can definitely be a good way to reconnect with friends and not be a pressure to make them buy anything as long as you're not forcing them into something it's just you know hey let's meet up and then if you guys want to buy this stuff cool if not that's cool too I don't care let's just have a a party a party night I think if all MLMs were 
posed as like a hobby type thing. And these people were not encouraged to front load and take out loans and ignore their bills and ignore mm-hmm. their families and ignore the warnings. Yeah, when, when I'd heard you say that um, LuLaRoe requires you to put $5,000 down, I was like, who the hell has $5,000 just laying around? I don't I know, know, but like a hundred thousand people found it. <laughs> I, I, I know with Herbalife, it was only like 250 or $500 for like the starter pack and the, the cult initiation fees. But you know, even then it's like $500, I could do a lot more with $500 than join a cult. The, uh, the FTC threshold of it, like being a red flag of them being like, Hmm, we're going to want you, uh, is $500. So mm-hmm. that's why a lot of MLMs, uh, the expensive ones are like four ninety nine. <laughs> it's just like just under, just under because, the radar. Because Lord knows our government will be like, oh, four ninety nine. Who cares about that? But that five hundred dollars, that that guy, we gotta watch out for. But four hundred ninety nine, he's fine. He's not doing anything negative to anybody. I know these these stupid loopholes, man. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. All the uh, the uh, things that you've talked about, about the different FTC members that are parts of these companies now, or how much money they donate to political campaigns. It's like, no, no wonder it's an, it's a constant uphill struggle to try and remove these companies from society when they have millions of dollars in po- political bribery money just laying around that they can give to people. I mean, it, it, it's crazy to me and, you know, I, I, I've already been fairly distrustful of politicians since I've been about 18, and I really started seeing how shitty people they are, and then learning that they're in bed with these companies that actively ruined my father's life has just made me distrust them even further to the point where it's like, I don't even know what I can believe, oh, wait. What can I believe? Nothing. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, it's really disheartening to find out that like the governing agencies that are created to regulate these scams Mm -hmm. are then like paid off by these scams. Yeah. Yeah, it's (laughs) so, you know, that's why I do this. That's why I sit on here and talk to people like you and educate and make TikTok videos and Instagram posts and Facebook posts and try to get the word out. And, uh, you know, I think we're making an impact. I hope we're making an impact. I do too, because the sooner that these companies stop existing, the uh, sooner we're going to see a lot of people not be in poverty and a lot of kids not being in poverty. Because I know that lower income people, especially are the ones that are so inordinately targeted and devastated by MLMs because you know if you're a guy and you're just making middle range sixty seventy thousand dollars a year you're like yeah I really don't care what you're trying to get me to sell but you know if you're a a struggling single mother making fifteen thousand dollars and they're like hey you could make a million dollars a year and spend all this time with your kids that's going to be like oh my god I need to sign up and do this and then your fifteen thousand dollars turns into like three thousand dollars when it's all said and done yeah and they like to leave out that fact that like only like 0.01 percent of people actually make that million dollars yeah i mean like i said i think that 
in the entire time, I think my dad made $1,000 over four years because no one bought and he never recruited anyone. So it was just, there was no income coming in except his income coming into his uplines pockets. So horrible. Well, I thank you so much for sharing your story. And if thank you for any- letting me share it. Oh, of course. And if there's anybody out there listening to this who connected with John's story, who grew up in a home filled with MLM and wants to share their story, or you connected with it in any other way and you want to share your story, email me. That's the best way to get on the show. I promise I'll get back to everybody. There's like a billion emails though. So you guys got to be patient with me. Um, the real Roberta Blevins at gmail.com. Hit me up. Let's talk. Thank you so much, John. It was really wonderful talking to you. Thanks for having me again. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all of your anti-MLM friends as well. See you next time.